Hello and welcome back to the What The Folk Sunderland Review Podcast. Another gutsy display from Sunderland ensured that we made it five points from the last three against three really good teams and we took a deserved point at runaway leaders Burnley at Turf Moor on Friday night. Um, I don't know whether you can tell, but my voice is a little bit short. Uh, the away end was very, very rowdy last night and very, very good. So we'll try our best to get through. But unfortunately, Brad and Ross have pulled in another sickie and they're both on yellow cards. Fingers crossed they get sent off before the end of the season and we can get them on a three-match ban and then never have to come back. However, one person that has joined, listen, he has joined. His name is Dave. Dave, how are you doing? You all right? <laughs> you, you stole me, listen. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm not bad, mate. I'm glad you reminded us because I'll now consciously make an effort not to see it. But uh, yeah, all good. Enjoyed watching that last night. A little bit of a, a different performance from, from what we used to in certain ways. But yeah, great return from the last three games considering how difficult a run it's been. And, and uh, yeah, I'd imagine in the changing room, a lot of it feels like a victory, to be fair. Yeah, absolutely. And I think... There was points in the game where we were watching Burnley last night. Um, I went down for for people wondering. That's why my voice is a bit short. Didn't get in until late. So, um, you can see Burnley's players have like that kind of just little bit of extra class than some of the other players we've come up against. And I think the majority of people listening to this will have seen the second half display they put in against us. So you can you can see what Burnley have about us. So I think maybe you know similar like the Norwich game. We probably had to play a different way, but. I mean, I'm going to ask you how you feel about the performance, but I do think it's a massive compliment that we've come up against. What did we have? The four games was Norwich, Luton, uh, Burnley, and who's the other team we had? I had a really good team. It was four games in a row. Oh, Sheffield United. Sheffield United, yeah. And there's only really Sheffield United that's beaten us. And to be fair, like the Sheffield United game, I think Sheffield United probably deserved that one, but their goal was miles offside. And I think we'd all spoke after the Stoke game. Well, me and you spoke after the Stoke game and said probably how concerned we were that the next four games were going to be those those games and is the season going to just fritter away and I don't think it's going to happen but like as good as the performance was last night and as gutsy as it was and as gutsy as it was against Luton and then that really good win against Norwich I looked at the table and I was like it's only six points off the playoffs you know and I don't think it's going to happen but it's nice that we've come out of those one of four games and we feel positive again because that Stoke game was a real kick in the balls, if we're honest. But um, but what did you make of the performance, Dave? Like you said, it was it was a different performance, and it's for me, it's really good that we're putting in those performances. It's not just about like fancy football, and then when that doesn't work, it, it, we can't play football. We we don't have a good performance. I think past few performances have been totally different compared to what we've been used to. But um, but really good, really encouraging that we can play a different way. But uh, what did you make of it? Totally agree. It's um. It's it's an old school uh, throw your body on the line, almost enjoy when when you talk to defenders and when you talk to them talk talk to people within the game. Defending's an art and, and it's a desire, and you have to want to go and do it. Um, and it's always the creative players, it's always the centre forward who get all the. If you've got a centre forward, sorry, have I mentioned that already? Jesus, I was trying to leave it out as well, uh, <laughs> but it's it's an art and a, a a desire, and we seem to have it in abundance. It's it's really not, and and that's kudos to the core group of players, but also to the to the coaching staff and to the management. Dare I even say it? Going back to Alex Neil because I think that was something that that became. 
apparent under his reign. And to be fair, whether it's whether it's the people above the management team who have seen that Tony Mowbray and the staff that he would bring in have got the same qualities potentially in that aspect of the football as Alex Neal, it's carried on. Um, and of course, huge credit to the players who've managed to carry it on between two managers. It says a lot about their character, I think. Um, <laughs> you think about it, that back four last night had a right winger playing left back, a centre-half who, OK, is pretty good in the air, but realistically not that tall. Danny Bart, OK, specialised there, and Tri Hume, who just seems to get better with every game. But it's a bit of a mixed match team against a, a potent, potent um, Burnley attacking lineup. I mean, twenty second of April, twenty twenty two, last goalkeeper to keep a clean sheet was Edison at Turf Moor. So a big shout out to the back four and and Patterson and of course everyone else in front of them. They all put in a shift, um, and I, and I think. The Sky presenter said last night, which I'm really glad that they did, because I think we're always, as fans, looking for that balance and that equilibrium. Of course, we're all biased about our own team. But the one thing they said last night is, yeah, OK, it was backs against the wall. It was 70-30 possession. But you're playing the runaway leaders. You've just been promoted this season. And when we had the ball, we looked like we might do something with it. Our decision-making wasn't always perfect. Um, but... It's it's brilliant, isn't it? It's it's you you're getting both sides of what you want. You want to see attractive football, but as Sunderland fans and as as the the geography of where we are, you expect people to die on a hill for you. And I don't think anyone can knock anyone. Even the even the lads who were coming off the bench. I thought Mishu's little cameo last night was pretty impressive. To be fair, um, and I I stood outside. It was the funnily enough, it was the the other fixture, the the reverse fixture up at the stadium lights. I stood outside, um, waiting for Glenn to finish his commentary, uh, for the BBC. And I watched all the players come out, and I don't think at the time Mishu was getting much of a look in. Um, and I saw him come out the stadium lights doors with his girlfriend, and he just looked like a petulant little shit. And I'm like, it's it's nice that you've got that chip on your shoulder that you're not playing football, but I'm not sure your attitude's going to make it. How wrong I was! He's come off the bench, could have just been Lasulk, couldn't he? Remember him? He could have been Lasulk and just come off, come on the pitch and and just dotted around. But he put his foot in. He had a bit of quality on the ball. I got a lot of time for this group of players, and I have done for quite a while. I I said last night on Twitter to someone. I think it's only, and and this is, when I say this, it means that we don't have the injuries that we've had this year, so we need a little bit of luck in that sense. I genuinely think it's one centre-half, one centre-midfielder, one centre-forward away from being a team which challenges for the top six next season. I think it's just one centre-forward away. I think just a defensive performance there. Um, And I think there's a lot... We obviously make a lot about the centre forward stuff, and it does still hinder us a little bit. Like, but I thought the defensive performance was even better last night. And this is going to sound weird because I'm talking about the absence of Ross Stewart slash Ellis Sims as centre forward up front being 
contributing towards how good our defensive performance was last night. But what I mean by that is a lot of the games last night, a lot of the time last night, we sort of caught them on the break bit where Roberts was like bursting forward or, or Clark, he was bursting forward. There's, there's still no out ball. And I think in a performance like that last night, if you have like a, a Ross Stewart or an Ella Sims or someone who can actually hold the ball up and kind of relieve pressure a bit and actually put you on the attack, we looked even better last night. So I think we've got to bear in mind that as much as it was a gutsy, I don't know if it was totally backs to the wall. I kind of get why people thought that because there was some like last minute challenges and stuff like that. I did never felt like we were like camped in our own half. I thought we were just defensively sound. But I think a lot of credit's got to go to the entire team with that because especially the defence and, and obviously the likes of Ekwer and stuff like that. Because I feel like if you've got centre forward there, it's a bit easier to defend like that because you've got something that can like hold up and relieve the pressure. But they had to be away for like 96 minutes of that game that there was nothing really to hit up top. So if they were going to win the ball back, they had to like pass it forward. Um, but I thought I thought they did a great job. I think you touched on O'Neill in there. I, I don't know if I can say anything more about O'Neill then than I haven't already. He's just, for me, he's a centre-half. Um, but I think you could put him in goal and he'd probably put in a worldy performance. I just think he's, I think it just he's the kind of player where, I think he is a good player. And take away his attitude, his commitment, and all that kind of stuff. Like, I think he is a good player, but I just think, and I don't know if anyone watched the um, the Kevin Ball under the cosh interview not long ago. And I think people used to refer to people like Kevin Ball as a limited footballer. You know, Bolly could he header? Uh-huh. Could he tackle? Yep. Could he pass? Yep. Could he score good goals? Yep. Did he lead well on the pitch? Yep. So, so what was the components of a good footballer? I'm not comparing Bolly to Lugo Nine. They're totally different people and totally different players, and they deserve their own accolades. But I think for me, O'Nine, he tackles, he passes, he's got good pace, he leads. Everything you want a good footballer to do, i.e., the basics, he uses to the best of his ability and he maximizes that ability in every position he plays. And I think that's why he's so valuable. And I think the day that O'Nine goes will be a really, really sad day. Um, and hopefully he never does if he needs to make the tea when he's in his 50s. Let's just, just keep him on. Um, but for me, the standout last night, there was loads of standouts. I thought Trey Hume is like, he's been so good and so consistent that like the kind of performance he put in last night at the start of the season would have been like, oh, that Hume played all right. You're now just used to it. He's a proper throwback. He's proper old school. He reminds me of like, Chris Megan. I haven't seen a Chris Megan for ages. There's always one player that he's going to leather every week, which I know is not the ideal component of a fullback, but just a good old school fullback. But for me, and I think Sky gave him player of the match as well, uh, Lyndon Gooch was phenomenal last night, I thought. Um, He's a a right winger. He's an attacking force for me. Um, He's played right back an awful lot this season. He's never in a month of Sunday as a left back, but he's the best player on the pitch. Um, and I think that came from his guts, his determination, his leadership. I love the, there was a point, and I'm guessing people would have saw this as well. There was a point when he like he pushed up to kind of press really high on their right winger, or potentially their right back, I think, which was Connor Roberts. But as he was doing it, he was leading the people around him to be like, cover me here, cover me here, cover me here. Like as he was running towards it. And I think. I think it was the last podcast we spoke about with Gucci and I think we'll forget how experienced he is now. Like he is one of those Sunderland leaders. He is the bit of experience we have on the pitch because he was 18 when he made his debut t- two months ago, as it feels like sometimes. 
Gucci's actually, I think, in the like 200, 200 appearances for Sunderland or something. And he's been through the best, the worst, the most challenging times as a Sunderland player. And he's came out of it. And I think he's vital when he's on the pitch, Gucci, with stuff like that. Because he just, it's a cliche, nobody gets it. It's kind of hard not to get it when you've been here, what, seven-ish years, as, as Lennon Gucci has been. And I just think his past two games have been excellent. I think his performance against Luton when he came on really dragged us back into it, got us to that point. And I think he has shown huge leadership on the pitch and like captain-esque ability without actually having to be the captain. But um, so many players that I could I could mention on the pitch, we mentioned 09, mentioned Gooch, Danny Bart, tremendous, uh, Trey Hume, tremendous. One performance I did want to touch on because I think it's, it's split the fans a bit. Um, I'll give my opinion afterwards, but Pierre Equa made his first start last night in professional football. Um, that's his first start. He, for me, played quite well. A um, couple of mistakes here or there, but that's fine. thought he, he added an awful lot. I thought his stature and his presence was really important. But what did you make of, of Equa, Dave? Because some people thought he was awful last night. I thought he was actually really good. I think I think the first 35 minutes, I'd don't think he put much of a foot wrong, if I'm honest. Um, Ten-minute period before half-time, which you could argue that was possibly one of, probably ten minutes before half-time and ten minutes after half-time was probably Burnley's strongest kind of period of the match where they, they got really on top and showed what they're all about. So, yes, he... <laughs> I sarcastically tweeted last night that, you know, it's really frustrating when a bloke who's made 350 league appearances at the age of 32 is misplaced in a simple five, seven-yard pass. And hopefully everyone read that and went, who the hell is he talking about and called me thick as shit? Because I was actually talking about a 20-year-old kid who's just made his first league appearance. And it's, you know, it's all, it's very easy. And I was I was going to, I was going to give us a little bit of grief, actually. Just thinking about everything and how clever the management are, and, and the, I always try to think a little bit deeper than probably most people in terms of analysing this, that, and the other. And but ultimately, it always comes back to the fact that I'm a fan. Now, at six one, was it six one against Stoke? Five one, sorry. Um, it just felt like six. <laughs> <laughs> Against Stoke, we were talking about 0-9 up front, and we were we were being genuine. Um, and Mowbray and his team, we, that's us being reactive, and that's probably why we're not professional football coaches, because we'd be like, shit, well, we've conceded five, and oh, oh my God, this is disgusting, but get, get them out, get the under-16s in, just, put, just clear them 11. And then when you think about it, the... The ship hasn't deviated, has it? It's still on the same straight, narrow, calculated line of how we want to play football and how we want to do things. And they obviously believe enough that the way that we want to do things with the people that we've got, and the hand has been forced a little bit because of the injuries, but they obviously believe that that style, that philosophy, and the personnel that we've got are good enough to carry it out. How can we argue after you get beat 5-1 and then you go and pick up five points against teams who are probably a level or two above where we're at at the minute? Um, 
I couldn't argue with it. And I'd have to stand there and go, you know, Luke nine up front, are you some kind of idiot? Like, what what kind of an embarrassing comment was that? Uh, so, yeah, Equa had, it was genuinely, I was looking at the clock, 10 minutes of about three passes where you think, listen, that's going to come with experience. It's going to come with experience where you realise that the shift of the game has completely changed. Burnley are well on top. We just need to keep the ball. You don't need to force that pass between the lines where we're on the back foot a little bit and Burnley seem to have that extra extra man. Uh, yeah, absolute, absolutely fine for me. See, 20-minute spell where he's... he's looks a little bit nervy but in fairness I think the second half he came out he didn't shy away he wanted the ball he tried to get involved and stuff like that and maybe it hasn't been as effective as the first 35 minutes but I wouldn't you know I'd give him a I'd give him a solid six and a half out of ten for last night and for a league debut against runaway leaders with experience like Josh Cullen and, and Josh Brownhill in there I don't think that's a bad effort. If he plays 6.5 for the rest of his career, then let's hope he gets 350 league appearances by the time he's 32. I'd probably sit down in my armchair with my pipe and my flat cap and go, John Norseman, I did all right, really. I, I thought he was all right. I think, <clears throat> don't get me wrong, like, there was, like, moments where he lost the ball and stuff. and But, like, it, it is his first ever senior start, I think, it's not like Jack Clark, who when he came to us was young and we, we were had to be patient with before we seen what he was really was about. And Jack Clark had won the league and he'd won the championship and played forty odd games by that point and been signed for ten million. Equa has literally come from like youth team football and I think in, in context, I think he played really well. I think my favourite thing about him, which has probably swayed me to like really loving him, has been the um the interview after the game. Like there's something quite nice about seeing players come to the club. And I don't want to say immediately getting it, but just enjoying themselves. Like, he just looked like, oh, I've just made my first appearance and it's for Sunderland. And the whole, like, our fans are better than theirs. I'm like, yep, it's time for that. Got that against Burnley, not bothered. Don't care if people think we're bigger or smaller, not bothered at all. But a hero player say it and they'd be like, yeah, it's me first in your appearance and our fans are class. Like, and even like referencing one of the songs in his interview was just just really good and he, he looked really happy and really buzzing and I think look he'll, he'll have games where he's been poor um, I'm a big fan of Abdullah Bar Abdullah um, and I think it was a game against Cardiff where I was like oh my god what's this guy about like this is not what I've seen in substitute appearances and it was just one of those games that he's, he's young and he's learning I think Equa's gonna have the occasional misplaced pass I think there was, he misplaced the pass yesterday in that 10 minute period just before half time and it was poor but by the time everyone went, oh, man, he flew in and won it back. Like, and I've got time for that. Like, and I'm not saying he was man of the match. And I'm not saying, oh, my God, I'm seeing this player. And I think he's going to be amazing. I just think for what performance it was in terms of where we're at in his career, I thought it was really, really good. Um, I thought he did really, really well. And I think it's hard to pinpoint anyone that was poor. I think maybe Roberts, because of how good he is, was maybe not quite at the level that Roberts is normally at, but that's fine. Um, I thought the work Clark you put in was tremendous. 
I think the work he puts in, like he's beginning to become one of my favorite players. And I get the frustration people have with him sometimes, but at the same time, I don't. I think what he produces, what he brings to the game and the effort he puts in, I think he's one of our best players. And I think he's an absolute steal at three and a half million or whatever we paid for him. That's probably an installment as well. Um, Gail's art doesn't work for me. <laughs> um, if I, It feels like I'm going to be picking on the kid, but it, it, that just doesn't work for me. Um, and I thought Pritch was maybe a little bit quiet, but at the same time, he, he did hold the ball sometimes up top. I think all in all, it's hard to really criticise anyone massively. I thought they all put a, a shift in. Even Geltart, like bless him, who's he's pissing against the wind, if I'm honest. I think sometimes with Geltart, but he, he put his body in the way. He, he tried his best and he, he did what he could. Um, one thing that really did catch my eye, moving away from the performance a little bit. So I walked down Sean Dyche Way to get to the game yesterday and reached a pub that was called the Royal Dyche with a big photo of Sean Dyche on the front in some kind of Victorian hat like Henry VIII or something. If we were to have a pub, right, <laughs> named after a former manager that isn't Peter Reid, who would it be and why? Oh, you're playing you're playing right into my arms here. This is my type of chat. Um <laughs> <laughs> I mean you'd have to you you could have parties. I, t- I tell you what, let's name a few, right? And parkies, let's let's Parkies let's, beef shop. No, no, parties. Parties pokies, where you can just buy variations <laughs> of different pig based meat. Um but so you could go for parties, right? And the reason that you'd go to parties is it's the shittest pub you've ever been into in your life. But it is only 170 for a strongbow. <laughs> what else can we have? Paolo's wine bar. Definitely getting olives at the bar. We have a nice glass of red wine. No ketchup, though. There's no ketchup in there. No ketchup at all. But And I don't know how much, how, how much this will land with people. Because you either know the inside story in this or you don't. But bananas would always be available. <laughs> and if you don't oh. know the story, just do a little bit of research in the Pablo de Canio. <laughs> Banana yeah. in a certain orifice story. Um we wouldn't I wouldn't have one for Jack Ross. I've knocked that down. No, I've had enough for that. Oh, definitely. Yeah, like he has been the it, it's that one, isn't it? It's that one where you're in the middle of town, it's like Everyone's going on about it. It's it's new. It's modern. It's class. Six month in fucking hell shit. And there, get it knocked down. Does it start again? Doesn't work. Hasn't worked. The the strong boys two seventy. I'm going to parties. Um, and then of course he he gets up. He's like he's absolutely devastated. And then of course twenty million pound of beheaded fund comes across, and he's like, all right, I'm gonna open up a bar in Newcastle. That's what happens there. Hang on a minute. I'm gonna open up a cocktail bar in. In, in, I don't know, I don't drink in Newcastle, somewhere where's posh. Um, it's just such a thing. Um, the Pomo pub was what I actually came up with. Where to buy a, to buy a pint, you have to ask it in a really long winded way. You can't just say, like, can I have a pint of tenants? You've got to be like, hello, bartender. So, see that pump over there. <laughs> People have switched off now, haven't they? But anyway, here comes here come the dislikes again. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I found it interesting that like he's heralded so much. Um, there is quite literally a Sean Dyche pub 
called the Royal Dice on Sean Dice Way, which I just think I just think is great to be honest because I've got a lot of time for Sean Dice. Um, by by the way, if someone had one, very simple, very effective, and it'd be revered everywhere you go, you couldn't go wrong with Stokos, could you? What a name! Perfect. A bit like as as legendary as Jones Cafe as it used to be called before it was the ALS shop. <laughs> um, that's a certain vintage heritage, um, as the kids would say on Twitter these days. But um, onto the football itself. Well, back to the football. Um, one thing I do want to touch on is, as I said at the start of the, the um, podcast, my, my thought was a little bit knackered. Now, obviously, getting home late kind of doesn't aid to that and stuff like that. And I hope we come across on the TV, but our atmosphere was incredible last night. Um, and look, it was helped by the fact that some people were like royally, royally oiled. Um, the bloke next to me, I'm guessing everyone heard the Mishu song, which is basically Depeche Mode's Just Can't Get Enough and Edward Mishu, do, do. The guy was so drunk that he was singing Luis Suarez instead. <laughs> um, he was asleep at half time. He was still celebrating the offside goal for five minutes after it was confirmed to be disallowed. Um, I think he thought Ward kicked off when the flare went off because he wasn't really sure what was happening. Um, but it was a really, really good atmosphere last night. And um, I think it was sort of testament to how the season's gone. And look, I know people might go back to certain podcasts and go, oh, like you were really unhappy after Cardiff and you had red flags after this and the Stoke game, you were absolutely raging. And there's nothing's ever 100% positive. It's impossible to be. And we have made mistakes this season with recruitment regarding the striker and stuff like that. But all in all, when you sit down and you go, right, what was Sunderland's return to the Championship 2002-2003 season like? Relatively stress-free from a Sunderland perspective, full of encouragement. I like pretty much all of the players on the pitch. I think all of them, to be honest with you. Even we Geldhart, who was obviously not worked out with, like, I cannot knock his effort. I think Gucci touched on it last night about the a bunch of boys that basically have each other's back. And I think it's really nice after so long of watching Sunderland where honest pros, you could say, but not really good enough to be done in the shirt. Um, lack of cohesion, idiot owners, people who just don't get the football club or the city at the top right the way through to the, the players. We now have what seems to be a manager that fully understands it. Um and I know there's been comments about, oh, well, I've been on a few preview podcasts and people have said about Mowbray. Are you, does it feel like it's happening again with Mowbray? And, you know, because he tailed off again the second half of the season. And, you know, not for me. Like, I've never really looked at Mowbray through even that sticky patch that much and thought, oh, God, are we going on one of these horrible runs? There's, there's reasons behind why he's had some bad results. And I think all in all, Mowbray's been a real blessing. He totally gets it. He absolutely understands it, despite being a massive Borough boy, let's be honest. Um, I think throughout the club, even the ones that have made mistakes, they tend to get it. And the most important thing is the 11 players that put on the shirt every single week. No matter who it is, and it's been a lot of different players um, because of the injuries that we've had, which have been... I mean, don't get me wrong, the striker situation, I should have signed a striker, but I think some of the injuries, you're just like, you, you can it imagine having that many injuries in the season and still competing the way we have. But we have because of team spirit. And we touched on it at the start of the podcast about 
how that's kind of garnered from the Alex Neal days and continued on. And I think that's an absolute testament to the entire squad. I keep saying that the 11 players on the pitch, but I mean the entire squad, because no matter who goes on that pitch, they're putting an effort. Um, no matter how young and experienced they are, no matter how old and um, experienced they are, or inexperienced, I should say, in, in terms of being young, I think they're putting the shift. And I think it's cliche, but that's kind of all you can ask. Um it helps that we've got that little bit of quality up top in Roberts and Pritch and Diallo and Stewart when he's fit and Sims when he was here. That's really helped towards the season, but ultimately it's all came from a team spirit and an effort and I've got tons of times for it. Um, and again, it's another podcast where I feel positive and we're into April now and I'm delighted with how the season's gone. Like when you do a review show, like I say, sometimes you do react to stuff and you sound raging and you're unhappy. That's kind of the point. Football's a week to week. But I know for a fact at the end of the season when I sit down, I'm going to say that was massive progress. I'm actually enjoying going to the game. That was relatively stress-free. Um, and you're yeah, blatantly, great. You're blatantly going to say at the end of the season, for God's sake, Dave was absolutely right. We finished 10th and we flirted with the playoffs. What an absolute knobhead. I can't believe he called that at the beginning of the season. I think you've nailed it, mate, to be completely honest with you. Um, on a serious note, I think you might have absolutely nailed it. I think I said 15th, but I think it's going to be a flirt with the playoffs and around 10th. Bit of frustration that maybe I think if Stewart and Sims are fit all season and we get to keep them, like, I, oh, look, here, bold statement, but I think we could have pushed for automatic with them too fit for the entire season. Um but we haven't, and that's fine. Like, such is life. Next season, there's so much to build on. Um, the one thing I want to touch on before we go, Dave, because I'm, I'm ranting a bit now. Um, let me throw it to Uh Delighted to see Dennis Serkin back last night. Really pleased. Definitely, yeah. It's uh, two sides of the coin, isn't it? There's, there's the side of, you know, it's always nice. He's again come in and and seems to just get it. He seems to fit in well with the with the core group of players, and 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 he always seems always enjoying himself in all the little clips that you see at the training ground and stuff like that. Of course, they're not going to fling on the the fights on there. Well, you'd hope they wouldn't anyway. <laughs> but yeah, and and the second part of it is kudos to all the new all the new concussion laws and stuff like that, and how patient everyone's been with them. Um, Ultimately, there will be a life after football from, and and you don't want to be, you know, risking people's livelihoods, family lives, their own kind of physical and mental health for the sake of getting back and playing an extra two games. Uh, so I think that's massive credit to, to hopefully Dennis himself telling people exactly how he feels and and, and what's going through his head for want of a better phrase um, and kudos to everyone listening to him and being patient and, and kudos to new concussion laws which are hopefully protecting players but yeah massive to have him back we we undoubtedly see his quality every time we've seen him um, Jesus it's it's one of them uh, him him and Trihume it's just lovely to it's lovely to have two out and out fullbacks of yesteryear. You you called Chris Macon earlier. It's um Mickey Gray and Chris Macon all over again. Or or it's the it's the foundations of it anyway. Uh I'm here for it to be fair. 
career. Yeah, yeah. I really, I'm a big fan of Sergan this season. I think he's been excellent. I think without his injuries prior to that, he would have been one of our players of the year. But um, that's all That's all we have time for this week. Um, before I let everyone go, obviously, just want to let everyone know that, obviously, we'll, the end of the season, we'll be, we'll be bringing the podcast to an end. Um, basically, time's just run out for all of us. Um, so you can see, obviously, Brad and, and Ross have been unable to make it recently. It's been a bit of a struggle for me to get on. Um, same with Dave. Like Things have been a bit of a struggle, and we've, we've discussed it over the past few weeks, and we just want to thank everyone for... For tuning in, and, and when we get to the end of the season, obviously we'll be we'll be moving on to pastures new. But um, we'll enjoy the last few weeks of this of this season, Dave. And obviously we've loved in the podcast, haven't we? Definitely, yeah. It's uh, if ups, downs, uh, everything in between. It's been lovely, but uh, yeah, little tear in my eye hearing that. So um, yeah, pastures new, as you say. Well, good things come to an end, don't they, Dave? So, um, but thanks for joining me, mate. Appreciate it. Thank you. All the best, mate.